This is Paul Gallant on 710 ESPN Seattle. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio. At Gallant Says on Twitter. Text into the show at 710-710. Welcome to the Paul Gallant Show. No Gallant, I am Michael Bumpus. Filling in for my guy. I hope everybody's having a great Monday. I'm happy to be here with you with more Dooley. Like always, we're going to start off with the question of the day. It's a big question for you. I want your honesty when it comes to this, all right? Are you letting the Seahawks' dismal preseason discourage you? I was just on the Danny Gallant show. A lot of people are saying, Bump, I just want to see the defense stop somebody. I want to see the offense put up points. They've only put up, what, 10 points the last couple of games and have given up 50. So it's not a good look. When you look at the numbers, when you break down some of the stats, you're probably worried. You hear about this new Shane Waldron offense coming in. You expect that thing to look crisp and get going. You expect this defense to build off of what they did last year. But let me remind you, these aren't the starters in there. These are twos and threes and guys fighting for their lives, fighting for a spot on this football team. So when you take that into account, you're not going to see the efficiency that we're used to seeing on offense. You got Alex Magoo as your quarterback right now. He flashes. He shows that he can run. He completes some passes, but he makes some mistakes. Geno Smith had a concussion or got a concussion last week. He was not available. If he was in there, I would assume that this offense will look a bit better. And then you have Mannion at the quarterback spot. He's just a number three. So I want you guys to keep that in mind that these just aren't the starters and it's going to be rough. When you are watching these games, though, I want you to look at individual battles. That's what it comes down to. These coaches aren't too concerned about the score and how pretty the game looks. They're putting in guys in situations and seeing if they're going to succeed or if they're going to fail. And we have seen some success, believe it or not. Only 10 points on the board, giving up 50. There has been some success. One guy who jumps out to me, the very first guy who jumps out to me, is DJ Dallas. If you've watched any of the first or second game, you've seen this guy catch a touchdown. He's run the football, kickoff returns, got his hand on a punt. He is everywhere. DJ Dallas had a great offseason. He stayed in Seattle. He got married. He said he's focused on his nutrition. He was exercising. He took the next step in his career. And... um He's balling right now. Now we got a clip of his 45-yard kickoff return last week. Let's listen. Here's a high end-over-end kickoff. D.J. Dallas takes it at the 5-yard line. He's out across the 10, 15, 20, turns up field, 30, the 40. He could go all the way. McManus is the last man and knocks him out of bounds across midfield in the area of the Denver bench. And D.J. just runs right down to the 5-yard line and acknowledges the fans in the south end zone, a 45-yard kick return. That's got to get you going. Now, the last time we saw a, a big return was DJ Reed last year, but Moore pointed it out in the Danny Gallant show. It's been a while, and when this team is successful, there's a few things that happen. Obviously, the offense does well. The defense does well. But you have special team plays, and I think that's where DJ can contribute right now. There re- really hasn't been a big kickoff returner. Uh, I Percy Harvin in the Super Bowl. I think Leon Washington might have been the other one. There hasn't really been a consistent guy. I think that's where he can help out right now. In the mix of all that, he's in the battle in the running back room. We know Chris Carson, number 32, is going to lead the charge. He's going to be great. Hopefully he stays healthy. Who's going to be that number two guy? Is it going to be Alex Collins? I think you can lean on him because he's been a 1,000-yard rusher with the Baltimore Ravens before. He's reliable. He's a veteran. Who's going to be that number three? DJ Dallas is making a case for himself right now. And if you're not familiar with how the NFL works, if you aren't a starter, you got to do something on special teams. 
You got to bring value to yourself and to this football team. And that's what DJ is doing right now. Not only with the ball in his hand, but he's blocking kicks as well. Another guy who's been doing great, Rasheem Green, man. Uh, first game, he had two sacks. This game, he had one sack, a bunch of QB pressures, a few QB hits. This is a guy that I'm excited about, and it's it's about time for him to get going, right? This is fourth year. He's still young. He's 24 years old, but Pete Carroll really likes what he's seen out of him so far. Yeah, I think he's done a really nice job. He's been really active. He has just been uh, so consistent, and uh, he's making a clear statement that he you know he fits, and he's part of the, what we're doing, and, and uh I'm really fired up for him. We was excited about the, the the focus of the change in the position, and uh, he's taken to it really well. He's focused. Uh, there's a there's a jump that needs to be made every year. Every year you look to improve on something, and it seems like Rasheem Green has improved with his hands. When you're on that defensive line, it's all about hand combat, making sure that offensive line doesn't get their hands on you and stop your momentum. And I see a guy who's got a motor who's got a motor, who's starting to understand what he's doing. Now you can say, all right, Bunt, well, they're playing against the twos and the threes. And, yeah, that makes sense. But what if he wasn't doing his thing against the twos and the threes? Y'all be ready to get rid of him real quick, okay? So you can't blame the man for going out and doing exactly what is asked of him, no matter who lines up in front of him. There's a big rotation that's going to happen on this defensive line. You got Daryl Taylor. You got Ben Mayoa. You got Kerry Hyder. You got... Al Woods, you got Puna Ford. I mean, there's a lot of stuff going on on this defensive line, and competition is good. So he needs to make these plays just to let these coaches know, look, I'm in this rotation. Don't you forget about me. All right, another guy that I'm looking at, another position that guys are battling for right now, battling for time, the cornerback position. We know who our safeties are going to be. It's going to be Diggs, and it's going to be Jamal Adams. All right, that spot, good to go. Now, who are these corners going to be? DJ Reed has been banged up a little bit. So what does that do? That allows guys to get more time. Okay. We've seen Witherspoon out there. He's looked good at times. Jared Judy caught a pass on him, but that's going to happen. As a DB, you're going to get beat. Don't expect your DBs to lock down the side of the field and never get a football caught on him. I want you to think of your favorite DB right now. Think of him right now. He's had, he's had footballs caught on before. He's been scored on before. That's just part of the deal. Okay. So don't look at that one play and count Witherspoon out. Now on the other side, Who's going to be the other corner? I think Witherspoon is leading the charge right now because he's a veteran. He's played good football before. On the other side, you got guys competing. You got Trey Flowers. A lot of people are knocking on Trey Flowers. You want to see him make the big play. I'm with you. I want to see him make the big play, but I like seeing him in good position. He's still in the fight. He's still in the battle. He's still going after it. Now you have Trey Brown as well, the rookie. I like Trey Brown. I like what he brings to the table, but I think you need to ease him in slowly, slowly, right? The game He's going to move faster. He's going to go up against better competition, but his confidence is unmatched. Pete Carroll has some things to say about him, too. After a couple weeks, you know, I realized he hadn't had a lot of opportunities to make big plays. The ball had come his way, you know, for whatever reason. And so I went back and pulled out every single play that he'd had and just went bump, bump, just went through it. And tried to find out, you know, where, you know, you know where are there any scars in there somewhere? You know, I'm not seeing whatever. And uh, he... He just kept holding up and holding up and holding up. His consistency has been really what gives him support as he makes an appeal to be the starter in this team. Consistent. You must be consistent in everything that you do, whether it's life or sports. If you're not consistent on that football field, they're not going to put you out there. You guys remember, this is a business, right? These coaches' jobs are on the line. If they throw a guy out there who keeps giving up big plays, they're not going to give him a shot. Trey Brown for a rookie. 
When you attach rookie and consistency together, that means that eventually he's going to have an opportunity to go out there and do his thing. Okay, so now we talked about week one and week two and how the Hawks have only put up 10 points. They've given up 50 points. But hopefully I reeled you in and you're looking at, look, okay, let's look at the individual battles and let's, let's analyze like that. Now week three is going to be a big week. All right, we, it sounds like we are going to see the starters in week three. Pete Carroll has something to say about that. This format for us was different than we've ever done before. We've done something different, and, and uh, you know, it hasn't it hasn't been a lot of fun and games, you know, with the way we're playing. But um, week three is is a big deal for us, and uh, we'll go back to a lot of the other guys that haven't played in, in in the first two games to prepare them for for game one of this regular season. That's been the plan all along. All right, that was the plan. Me, I was, I was, I wasn't going to be surprised if we didn't see the starters in week three. And why? Because of what we saw in week two. Ben Kervin goes down with an ACL injury. John Arsua goes down with an ACL injury. You got Ryan Neal who has an oblique injury. Your job is to kind of protect these guys, but at the same time, you want to see what they can do. You want to see Russell out there. So it sounds like we are going to see Russell, DK, Lockett, Bobby, Jamal, Quandre, all these big names, Carlos Dunlap. We're going to see these guys at least at some point during week three. And now we can start trying to evaluate this team as a whole. Now we can start looking at how this offense is moving down the field. Now we can look at, is this defense stopping guys? And even then, even then, you can't expect this offense to be super intricate and and throw a bunch of things out there that we've never seen before and have them look extremely sharp. You just want to see them move the football. And defensively, they're not going to send Jamal Adams on a bunch of blitzes. You're not going to be super aggressive. It's going to be vanilla. Their job is to keep things in front of them. So, yes, we are going to see the starters. Yes, it should be exciting. Yes, you can wear your Russell Wilson jersey to the game on Saturday, and you'll see him trot out the, the tunnel and do all that good stuff. But, again, keep it in perspective. When you're looking at this offense, you want to see, okay, what, what concepts are they trying to execute? Okay, are they trying to get the football out of Russell Wilson's hands early? Are they trying to get Chris Carson the ball? Um, Is Bobby in good position? Is he filling the gap? Is Jamal Adams in coverage? That's been the knock. You guys are some of you guys hate on Jamal Adams because he doesn't get interceptions. I'm sure that's part of his game that he's been working on. So be excited. Be ready to go. Show up to Lumen Field. Be excited. The Chargers are coming into town. Um, You're going to see your starters out there. But again, just. Keep it in perspective. The preseason does not mean anything. The Detroit Lions went 4-0-1 preseason, and then they lost every game that they suited up for. All right? When I was with the Hawks in, what, 2009, we went 4-0 and were garbage during, during the season. Okay? So it's all good. Pick your individual battles. Be good to go. All right. It's time for What's Trending, brought to you by Kings Heating and Air. Dooley, how we doing? Good. How are you today? I am well. Can't complain. Nice. All right. First up, we uh, we'll get to some Mariners here because we didn't get to that off the top. Uh, they, you know, took a little bit of a beating Friday and Saturday, but yes, they did. Pulled off one of their uh, signature nail biter comebacks yesterday over the Astros to keep it within three games. They're not any worse off than when they started the weekend. Now they get a two-game series against the A's with Marco and Chris Flexen on the mound. So uh, a way to make up some ground there. But we should mention one of the heroes of yesterday, Paul Sewald, getting yes. three strikeouts with the bases loaded to end the bottom of the 10th. He uh, won the weekend, according to our Danny and Gallant listeners. So we'll take a listen to his strikeout of Guriel here. Sewald gets the sign. He sets. 
Another 3-2. Swing and a miss. Strike three. Top of the zone. And Seawald is looking like the Hulk as he flexes, walking off the mound. He gets the Mariners out of a bases-loaded 10th inning jam. He strikes out three Astros hitters and sends this to the 11th. Tied at two. Mm, Seawall got me fired up, Dooley. Got me fired <laughs> up. I don't see enough emotion in baseball. You see it from pitchers, I guess, when they strike guys out. But I, I love the emotion. And just coming in clutch, man. Bases loaded. No outs. All the Astros got to do is put one in the outfield. They, they score a run. I mean, that was beautiful. And that was clutch. And it, a great bounce back. All right, The first two games, they were outscored 24-7. to 24-7. And then they bounced back and had some clutch moments. You got Ty France, who tied the game in the ninth inning with a solo blast. You got Seager, who scores a, or hits a three-run home run in the 11th, 11th is 29th of the year. These guys are never out the game. What, what do you think it is about this team, Dooley? Why do they usually find a way to at least be competitive late in the game? You know, I give a lot of credit to Dopoto for I, I think that they go after a certain type of guy. I, I think that they have a lot of guys that have that scrappy, gritty mentality. I know the Seahawks like that as well. And then I do think that Scott Service has done a really great job managing this team. You saw him get emotional talking about it last week. And I just think yeah. that... Uh, uh, you probably know this better than me when playing sports the way that you did. I, I think there's certain teams that just have a chemistry that you can't even explain, and they, they seem like they have that going. They believe no matter what. Chemistry. Here are a couple things that I see with these Mariners that lets me know they have chemistry. Every time JP gets on base, he does this thing when he smiles and puts his pinky in his mouth. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Like he's, he's flashing his golds. Then whenever someone hits a home run, uh, the batter who's up next, they fake like they're doing this handshake and they do this little move where they dip past each other. Those are the type of things that I see. I'm like, all right, my guys are grooving right now. They're gelling. They're feeling each other. They love each other. They love to play with each other. Here's a, a sad story, though. How about Graven, man, giving up a run late in the game, man? Graven was on our team. I'm sure they felt some type of way seeing that. <laughs> yeah, I think that made all the people that have been bitter about that trade feel a little bit better. A little, a little more better. All right, we'll go back to a little Seahawks news here. Ian Rappaport is reporting that Pro Bowl defensive tackle Geno Atkins is visiting the Seahawks today. Geno is visiting the Seahawks. Now imagine if Geno signs with these Seahawks. Him and Dunlap, guys in Cincinnati who were kicked to the curb, pretty much washed out of their scheme. What if Geno comes here and he balls out? What does that say about the Cincinnati Bengals? Nothing good, right? <laughs> Nothing. Nothing good. Cincinnati, y'all got to figure it out. But that, that would be nice. The thing that scares me about Geno coming over is that it's going to push another one of these defensive linemen out the door. You know, guys who are battling, guys that we have kind of fallen in love with, right? Once once you're a Seahawk, these fans, these 12s are going to give you a chance. They're going to love you up. Uh, we got Kerry Hyder who came over from the 49ers. As soon as you put that jersey on, you're you're a Seahawk and you're good to go. So I like that the Hawks are always looking to improve. I think that puts pressure on guys like Rasheen Green, like we talked about. Uh, I think Daryl Taylor's good to go. Maybe LJ Collier. I mean, there's so many ways they can go with the signing of Geno Atkins. If they sign Geno Atkins, do they necessarily need to? I don't know. I'm not I'm not in the room with them. I like who they have in place already, like Al Woods, Puna Ford, but. The Hawks, one, thing, one thing the Hawks are going to do, they're always going to evaluate talent. They're always going to look to get better. So if they think Geno Atkins is a piece that they can use to make themselves better, and so be it, I'm all about it. All right, 
It is time to be heard. Call 206-421-3776 or text in. Your voice, your opinions. It's time to be heard. Every day at 1015 with Paul Gallant. Be heard. All right, time to be heard. Call, text, let's talk, man. It's been a while since I fell in for my guy, Paul Gallant. I want to get to know y'all again. It's been a while. Okay, let's go to the text line. 253 says, I think the Broncos are Bush League for going forward on fourth and three. Uh, on, four, on four down, three drives in a row against the Seattle's twos and threes. The Broncos starting offense got stuck. Hey, you know what? I don't think it's Bush League. I think you're you're in situations that you're trying to see how guys develop. Now, what I thought was Bush League was that blitz that the Raiders did that hit Geno. Like, that's, I mean, that's, that's something you have to game plan for. I guarantee you the Seahawks coaching staff is not looking at film saying, all right, we got to look out for this blitz. No, it's supposed to be really vanilla. So I don't think it's Bush League. I think that they're just trying to rep situations. And when you play football, it's all about situations. And they're seeing if guys are able to execute in certain situations. Oh, ease up on the Broncos a little bit. I don't think it was Bush League. I think they were just trying some things out. All right, let's go to the to the line. Call line. We got Dion from Tacoma. Yeah, I just wanted to uh, acknowledge a couple things that I heard you state on earlier. One is this, man, the way our infield plays defense for the Mariners. I think it's just something that's kind of going overlooked. Um, And then my other thing is this, as a general Mariners fan, I'm with whatever the Mariners do as a team. So the Graveman trade, it was was questionable at first, but, man, getting a a run off of him and late in the inning, it felt good, man. It felt good. Dion, I I appreciate you bringing that up, man. Um, I think the fielding by the infielders has been overlooked. In, in baseball and in sports, you always look at the offense. Are they producing runs? What's the batting average? But, man, if you are not playing efficient baseball with your gloves, you're going to allow a bunch of runs. So, yes, I agree with you. And as far as the Graveman, that's just business, right? That's just how the cookie crumbles, man. Uh, you got to trade. Toro came over from the, the Astros, and he's balling. Graveman gave up a run. Um, at this point, it's water on the bridge, man. We just got to keep moving, keep doing their thing. Dion, man, I appreciate your call. Thanks, man. All right. You too, man. All right, let's go back to the lines again. We got Miguel from Yakima. What's up, Miguel? Hey, Bump. How's it going? I'm good, man. How are you? Pretty good, man. Just, man, these Mariners, I swear. You, you, you become a fan, hardcore fan one minute, and then the next minute you're just – it's a frustration. It's a love and hate relationship. I saw over the weekend, you know, Friday and Saturday when they were getting slaughtered, um, going back to Rocky Four with uh, Dra- Drago and Apollo. <laughs> you know, when they're throwing the towel, throwing yeah, the towel. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, but hey, man, it, w- it was great to see them bounce, uh, bounce back and, you know, finish this, the series strong yesterday. Uh, really entertaining team, and I really hope that they're able to push forward. And even if they're not able to make it to the playoffs, I mean, that's fine, but uh, as long as they're competing and they're finishing strong and there's potential, um, I really hope that they can just, you know, finish strong and end the season. I'm with you, Miguel. I believe before the season started, everyone's trying to tell us at least management, look, focus on 2022. And what do these young guys do? They go, nah, man, we're going to ball out in 2021. We're going to keep it interesting. You know, and I think it's about time we start to trust the process when it comes to trades and development in the farm system. I read an article that said that the Mariners are the number one farm system 
in all the ma- all all the major all the baseball. They are the number one farm system. So let's start believing in him. They make a couple of trades. Graveman's gone. They bring a couple guys over. Toro has been great for this ball club. And like you mentioned, Miguel, they're entertaining. They're entertaining. They're still in the mix. They're young. They're fun. Just enjoy it. It's been, what, 20-plus years since this team has been to the playoffs, and they are in the wild card race three games behind. All right, let's not get greedy. Let's just enjoy the moment, ride the wave. I'm all about it. All right, let's go back to the text lines. Where did I see? I said, uh, I think it was a 206. Pretty much said, look, they need to get a backup quarterback. Because you're looking at Alex Magoo, you don't like what, what, what you see. You're looking at Mannion, you don't like what you see there. Um, but let's not forget, man, that Geno Smith is still there. Yes, he's banged up. Yes, he hasn't been stellar in the NFL as a starter, but you don't need stellar. If you have stellar as your backup, you know what you got? You got the 49ers situation where you got Jimmy over there and then you got Trey Lance backing him up and everybody wants a backup. Now, no matter who the backup is in Seattle, no one's playing over Russell Wilson. That, that, it, it is what it is. No one's playing over Russell Wilson. But you need a guy who understands your offense and understands how to execute him. And most of the time, that is a veteran, a veteran who's been around the block, who's seen a bunch of defenses, who doesn't get flustered, who is at least going to keep you in the mix for a week or two. I think that's what you need right now. All right, let's go back to the lines. It goes, 360 says, I like seeing the Seahawks lose a few. I go up the season ticketless faster than that. <laughs> okay. So selfish reasons you like seeing the Seahawks lose a few. All right. Here we go. What else we got here? What else we got? Uh, let's go back to the text lines. How much time I got? All right, we got about four more minutes. Call in, man. Let's talk. Let's let, let's talk. Let's holler at each other, okay? 206 says, still think we could really use KJ. My gut says we will regret it if we don't get him signed. There's bound to be an injury at some point. Hey, there has been an injury. Ben Burkirvin, we talked to the professor in the, on the – Danny Gallant show and he said look they have to be looking at KJ the only thing that concerns me about signing KJ is I don't want to disrespect the man I don't want to give him this low ball offer and make him not feel appreciated for what he's done for this organization he has to feel good about the situation and could he help this team most definitely he knows every linebacker spot insert KJ anywhere and alignment assignment wise you are going to be good and another thing he's coming off two of his best years as a professional the only thing that got him is his age. His age and then the guys that they have behind him, they're looking to develop. So if KJ, one, doesn't feel disrespected with the offer that they give him, and two, is okay being a backup and developing these guys, you bring them in. But I just I just have so much respect for what KJ has done for this organization. I just – it has to be clean. It's got to be a great situation. He's got to feel good about it. Don't disrespect the legend KJ, who's still in the Seattle area working out. I saw him on Instagram the other day working out at UW in the sand. He's doing his thing. All right. Let's go back to the text line. Let's go. We need a backup LB, not a starter. So why not? So why bring in LJ instead of playing Diggs and Brown? Yeah, we do need a backup. Simple as that. We need a backup. And you know what the Hawks are doing right now? They are looking everywhere throughout the league for backup maybe a young guy maybe they're looking at kj i don't know but if you think that they're just sitting still that is false okay 425 says how can we trust trey flowers if he can't trust himself to run and play the ball at the same time craig 425 right craig how can we trust trey flowers this is how we can trust him one year he had three interceptions all right last year he played okay he's always in good position he might not make the play but he's in position that's a start 
It's hard to find good DBs. It's hard to find good ball players in general that you can trust every single damn. Is has Trey Flowers played to his his potential? I don't think so, but I think he's capable. Call me crazy. I know you guys are hard on Trey. Call me crazy. I love that Trey's in good position and I love his demeanor. I think that this year is going to be big for Trey Flowers. Okay, it's going to be big. One more. Let's see what we got here. Three six zero says Larry Fitzgerald. That's it. Simple. Larry Fitzgerald. I you know I love Larry. He was one of the the guys that I watched growing up. We're around the same age. So when he was at, at Pitt doing his thing, um, great hands, great routes. But man, I, I don't think you need KJ. I mean, excuse me, Larry Fitzgerald. I think you have D. Eskridge who's ready to go. Freddie Swain. And these guys are just young. That's what it is. They're young and they're cheap. You know, talk about disrespect. You're not going to disrespect uh, Larry Fitzgerald with some some shady contract. Nah, he he deserves to be paid like a guy who's done a lot. And you have receivers right now. You also have a tight end who can play receiver as well in Gerald Everett. So don't disrespect Larry. Don't disrespect KJ. And uh, let's just keep the party going. All right, coming up next, we're going to go into the sports pit with Paul Moyer. I'm Michael Bumpus filling in for Paul Gallant, the Paul Gallant Show on 710 ESPN. It's 1030, and that means it's time to get in the sports pit. In the pit where all that stuff goes down, and if you don't have some freaking toughness, you're going to get your, you're going you're to fail. With Paul Gallant. Welcome back to the Paul Gallant Show. No Gallant, Michael Bumpus here filling in for my guy. And uh, once we get things going, oh, Sports Pit is ready. We got no other than my right-hand man. You catch him on Sundays with me on the pregame show, halftime and post. You can catch him on Thursdays during the regular season of Hawks Live. Paul Moyer, what's going on? What's up, Bump? How you doing, man? Uh, you recovering from the, the long first home game? It was nice to have some fans there, wasn't it? Nice to have fans. It was long, but Paul Moore, I'm trying to talk these people off the ledge. I'm, I'm trying to, to calm them down and say, look, these games mean nothing when it comes to the success of this football team during the regular season. Do you agree, or do we need to see some good football here on Saturday? Well, I'd like to see some good football. I'd like to see us, you know, I, I know these are weird cliches. I'd like us to play faster. Uh, I'd like us to play more physical. You know, and I, I really think the last – two games is particularly that first half you know i just felt like we were behind the eight ball there we haven't played any starters um you know i'll I'll never forget the first time i went to a laker game when i was a little kid bump you can appreciate this right us laker fans growing up yeah my dad we're we're in the stands and we're watching and and my dad goes, who do you think is going to win? And, I, I, and so I'm watching who's making the most baskets in warm-up. And I go, oh, yeah, I think the other team's going to win. They're making all their shots. And he goes, those are backups. He goes, and the Lakers' <laughs> backups are missing all their shots. He goes, let's wait for the starters to get out there and start shooting. And that's what this is. I mean, you know, we didn't – you had 22 starters essentially, you know, last week not playing or somewhere around that. Um, I, I think Pete, though, was frustrated in that, hey, he, he still wants to put a good product out there every game and compete. So, but it, it has nothing to do with this opening game against Indianapolis – in about three or four weeks. So, um, but I do know they want to play better, and they're going to play their starters some this week. So we'll, we'll get a better feel where we really are. All right. You heard it here, folks. You heard it from me. Now you heard it from Moyer. We're going to get a better feel. So now once these starters come in, 
and we see number three, 16, 14, 32, 54, all the, all the numbers and names that we're used to seeing, do, do they need to put up a lot of points? Do they need to shut this uh, Charger offense down? Or are you still looking at, okay, what are they trying to accomplish? Are they executing certain things? What exactly should the people look for once these starters are in? Well, I think just us executing properly, you know, I'd like to see some long drives, you know, eight, 10 play drive would be nice. We haven't even take, I don't know if we've taken a shot downfield in two games in the, in the passing game offensively. Yeah. So we're not, there's no game planning going on. It's, it's all vanilla. We're not really blitz. And we've done a couple of vanilla blitzes where we've brought a linebacker, you know, up the middle. Uh, a couple of times, you know, I think we saw Bode, uh, Cody Barton with a few sacks, but there's there's no game plan, and so uh, we don't need to score a lot of points. We don't need to shut anybody out. We just need to look like we're we're ready to play the opener. I mean, this is the last preseason game. Um, you always want to, you know, they call it the dress rehearsal. We'll, we'll start throwing a bunch of those uh, cliches out too. Uh, so yes, you want to play well. More importantly, we want no injuries. So I don't want to see the starters out there a long time. I just, if we can get out there for a few series, everybody looks good. We're flying around on defense, making plays. Let's get them off. Get get the other guys in who are you know going to be the you know the reserves for the most part. Uh, but no, we don't need to whoop this team. And by the way, the Chargers are pretty good. They're pretty good defense. Um, you know, they're they're not going to be a pushover and and you know blow these teams out fifty to nothing. You hear it here, Michael Bumpus along with Par Moyer in the Sports Pit. Paul, I've been asked this question a couple times today. Uh, Gino goes down, kind of has people frantic right now you got Alex Magoo who played okay not great you have Mannion who played okay not great should the Hawks be looking for another backup I told these guys I go look you got Geno Smith you got a veteran who understands what you're trying to accomplish that's what you need do you think the Hawks should be looking for another QB well I and I agree with your assessment I mean look Geno's a veteran guy he'll be able to run the offense but let's be honest, man. I mean, there's very few teams in this league that are going to be able to make a playoffs and make a Super Bowl run without their starting quarterback, yeah. especially if it's one of the top five quarterbacks in the league. Um, so, uh, look, a backup quarterback, it's nice, uh, you know, for a half or a game, two, three, where you need to win one or two of those. You don't have to run the table always. But, you know, if, if something, knock on wood here, happens to Russell Wilson in the second game of the season, he's out for the year. You know, man, all bets are off. And I'm not saying they won't compete, and but that division's awfully tough not to have a star quarterback. So let's not get too panicked on a backup quarterback. Geno Smith is, is more than capable. Let's just get him healthy. Right now he's, he's still a little dinged up. The only backup quarterback in the league I feel like will give you a chance to win at least four, six games right now, Ryan Fitzpatrick. Everywhere he goes, more he puts us some points yeah. and lights up the scoreboard. All right, now let's let's switch over to defense, the cornerback spot. You know, I touched on it a little bit at the beginning of the show. You got Trey Flowers competing, Trey Brown competing, Where the Spoon, DJ. Where is the state of this cornerback room, and who do you expect to kind of lead the charge and be the starters in week one? Well, I'm hoping DJ Reed gets healthy. Uh, you know, we I saw enough from him last year that I, I feel confident. I'm confident in Witherspoon. I, I, some people made a – uh, a big to do about the one crossing route that uh, Jerry, uh, Jer- is it Jerry Judy? I always forget his first name. Jerry yep. Judy, who's super fast. 
I mean, look, you're going to get beat as a corner. You're going to get beat on go routes. You're going to get beat on some in routes. There are other guys that can be faster than you. Um, what you hope is on that one particular play I'm talking about, it was, I don't know if it was a deep end, but it was, you know, it was probably a 12 to 15 yard, art yard uh, in route. Yeah. And it looked like Witherspoon just he, he stumbled just a little bit coming out of his break. Man, I expect another linebacker. I expect a free safety to come down and make that play. It also showed how fast Judy was because he ran by all of our guys. Yeah. Um, and so, I, I, but the play before that, they had a fade route on Witherspoon, and he ran easily step for step and made a, a nice play. And that's what I think he's really good at. He's a good football player. So I'm comfortable with Reed and Witherspoon. I think Trey Brown, you know, our rookie fourth round pick out of Oklahoma. I thought he played well on Saturday. He still had, you know, I'm not, would I be comfortable with him starting right from the get go? Mm, probably not. Uh, you know, I probably want a little bit more of a veteran in that situation, but I think he's, you know, he's going to be on the field at times, you know, throughout the year and, and maybe push for a starting job at some point. So, so I'm comfortable with our corners. I'm not sure why everybody's uh, on these guys as is, is, is hard as they are right now through preseason because I don't think they've played poorly. Now, I do want them to make more plays, and, you know, and that's, that's always the theme. Uh, but I think overall, Bump, as a secondary unit, what we what we're going to do with packages by bringing in five and and maybe even sometimes six defensive backs depending on what they do with Jamal Adams. I'm comfortable with who our nickels are, and we got to me three or four guys competing there. I'm comfortable, obviously, with our two starting safeties and backup safeties, and and I'm comfortable with the depth at corner. Uh, I like our yeah. size. Both we have tall. We got some shorter guys who are quick. I just want to see who's going to emerge as the starter. And I and I I think it will be Reed and Witherspoon to start the season, and I hope they continue to play well. I agree with you. I think Reed and Witherspoon will be the guys. All right, quick last one I got for you, Moyer. Geno Atkins has visited the Seattle Seahawks. Is this a move you think they should make? How do you feel about this? Cool. Wow, there's a lot to that one. Well, one, he's still, well, he was still a really good football player, and he definitely fills a need inside, you know, a tackle that uh, you, you can't have enough of those. But right now, Bump, man, we got 11 defensive linemen, you know, that yeah. I think it's going to be hard to, to whittle them down to, to eight, nine. Last year, we, we, we came in with eight. Um, I don't there I, unless we trade some people. Um, you know, on top of that, it, it, Atkins I believe is going to cost us some money. We still have Dwayne Brown to deal with, so I don't know if that's just a due diligence piece to it, or if they say, hey, you know what, we're we're not happy with our tackles, or there's some injuries still. Um, but if they got him, you, I would say you cannot have enough good football players, and he's a really good football player in that middle. He's a really good football player. You're a really good friend and a co-host, Paul Moyer. I appreciate your time, man. As always, man, I appreciate it. And a uh, way to hold down the fort there for Gallant. Hey, we do what we do. I'll talk to you soon, right. man. <laughs> All right, my friend. Bye-bye. <laughs> All right, that was Paul Moyer. Coming up next, this is your last chance to be heard. I want to talk to you. I appreciate the text, too. But let's get on the line. Holler at me, 206-421-3776. That's coming up next right here on the Paul Gallant Show. Michael Bump is filling in. You're listening to Paul Gallant. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio. Every day at 10 on 710 ESPN Seattle. Welcome back to the Paul Gallant Show. It is me, Michael Bumpus. Gallant is out. He will be back 
tomorrow. Now, before the break, I told you to call in, text in. Let's talk about stuff, football, baseball. doesn't matter. Before I get to the text lines, you guys make sure you go to More Dooley's Twitter, please. More Dooley's going to drop some knowledge on you guys about fantasy football. I'm sitting there writing notes in between breaks. She's hooking you up. All right. So let's go to the to the to the line. Let's go to the line. We got Jack from Seattle. Jack, what's going on, man? Uh, Bob, Bob, talk me off the ledge because I'm concerned. Okay. I mean, I, I am concerned about the lack of value in the preseason, and I know you're a former player, but it's got to be some value in it. We've never seen a hawk poo poo uh, preseason like this before. And, you know, so I don't want to hear week two, week three, the excuse of, oh, well, Russell didn't play preseason. When the offense starts slow and they're going to be like, well, uh, they didn't play preseason. It's a new offense. You can't use that excuse if you're not playing in the preseason at all. I get the injury thing. you got to mitigate that. But this is football. And injuries are part of the game. Um, I'm concerned, man. Talk me down, please. All right, Jack, I feel you. Um, and you have reason to be concerned, right? You, you made some valid points. This, the starters haven't been out there yet. Uh, we're going to see them week three. We're not going to see them a lot. You do have a new offense. But the truth is you have to protect your most valuable assets. Yes, this is football and guys are going to get hurt, but you don't want them getting hurt in a scrimmage, Jack. You don't want them getting hurt during games that don't matter. If you're going to take the L, you're going to risk injury. You want them to risk it when it counts, and that's during the regular season. Now, I'm not going to use the excuse week one, two, or three. They didn't play any preseason games if the offense doesn't get going. What I'm going to say is they got to get acclimated. But that's the truth. I don't think it's excuses, Jack. I think that this is just the reality that we are in. Jack, you sound like you're at least my age or older. Um, Back in our day. Yeah, you just went out there, you played, rub some dirt on it, let's go. But they weren't getting the money they're getting now either, man. <laughs> you know what I mean? You're spending a lot of money on these dudes, and you just want to protect them. And honestly, I think that the offense is going to start off slow. It's just a product of, of their situation. I think it is going to start off slow. I think you, you're okay, you're valid with your concern, but that's just our reality, man. That's just our reality. Nothing. All right. All right. I, no, no, I agree with you. I mean, the money factor is definitely a factor, um, you know, as far as them getting paid a lot more than they do, uh, you know, from back in the day. But it's just the Seahawks apologies. I know I can hear it now. We're starting <laughs> slow. They didn't get the preseason started. And then we've never seen this before from the Hawks. They've always valued the preseason. They've always played hard. They've always been winners in the preseason. So yeah. this is something new. I don't know if Shane Waldron is uh, protecting nuclear secrets, but this is football. <laughs> they know your plays, Shane. You're not doing nothing that innovative to where you don't want to show what you're doing. Get out there. Get him a, his feet wet. A few series. That's all we want to see. We want to see what it looks like for real. And then you can pull them. Uh, they got to play. I'm sorry. I, I, I just can't agree with the injury thing. They got to play him a series or two. We have to see it. This is something the Hawks have never done. I got you. I feel you. And I think you're going to get what you want. I think we're going to see him play one or two series. Jack, man, I appreciate your passion, man. You have a, a great day, man. Appreciate you, man. All right. That was Jack. How do you guys feel about that? Do you guys want the Seahawks to put these guys out there? We're going to see them during week three. But how much we're going to see them is the question. Okay, I'm going to go back to the text line. Let me see. A bump. My question is, how many receivers will the Seahawks keep, and what do you think, and who do who do I think they would be? I think they're going to keep five. 
And who do I think they're going to be? One, block it. Two, DK. Three, uh, Freddie Swain. Four, you have D. Eskridge. Five, it's to be determined. I think we got to see who they bring in with the injury to Ursua. You still got Penny Hart, who's banged up. You still got Cody Thompson, who's there. You still have Aaron Fuller, who's there as well. There's going to be some competition. So we're going to see these starters earlier in this third game. But then after that, you're going to see these these younger guys competing. And I think there's still time for them, for them to bring somebody in. I wouldn't be surprised if they've already brought them in. We've just been on air for four hours and we haven't heard about it. So um, I, I, there's going to be some competition there. Competition there. I think that... They're set with their first three. And if you count Gerald Everett, because he's going to be a pass catcher as well, they got four. You throw Uncle Will Disley in that thing as well, they got five. But true receivers, they got four right now. I think they're going to carry five. Guys are going to compete. All right, 360 says, no, we don't want to see the starters. And I think the 17-game schedule is why they're not playing the starters. All right. You don't want to see the starters? Me, I don't mind not seeing the starters either. I really don't because I just want to protect them and make sure, especially because this team is ready to go. This team is not a team like the Denver Broncos who are going to play their starters in week two, week one, and trying to figure things out. This is a team who knows who they are. They know who they have. Maybe they can use one or two other pieces, but they're not trying to figure anything out. They're going to ride or die with number three in the squad and number 54 in the gang. That's what they're going to do. So it's, there's different situations for different ball clubs. That's why you see guys like Sean McVay say Stafford is not going to play at all. He knows who his quarterback is going to be, and he trusts that he knows his offense. So, you know, take it for what you want. All right, a couple more. Two, five, three. Hey, Bump, I'm just worried other teams are using the preseason to their advantage, and we're wasting hours. Again, I can I can see that. I can understand. But do you really? All right, let's let's paint the picture. Do you really want Russell Wilson taking 20 snaps in week 1, 2 or 3 of the preseason? Do you really want that? Yes, he's been available for 160 games, a great streak. Do you really want to risk that on a game that doesn't matter? All right, 17 games this season. I think they can afford to lose 4 games. 4 games they can they can afford to lose. Okay, I'm not saying I want them to lose four. I'm not saying I want them to come out the gate and drop four. I'm just saying there's some room for error and risk reward. You just want to make sure your guys are good to go. One last one, and then I got to get up out of here. I got kids. I got stuff I got to do. Okay, we got all right. 425 says, I'm good with this approach to the preseason. College football was jacked last year. Less college film, less preseason means your back end needs more evaluation this year compared to others. That's Craig. Craig is a loyal listener. I see you pop on the text lines all the time. Yeah, man. I think preseason is overrated for the starters. Guys like Michael Bumpus in the 2008 trying to make the squad. I'll play every snap. Ben Burkirvan plays 60 snaps week two. He's trying to make the team. If you're getting paid millions of dollars, you don't need this preseason. All right. That's all I got for you guys today. I appreciate you guys listening texting calling in it's been real i want to thank maura Dooley. like i said go to her twitter she's dropping knowledge when it comes to the fantasy football game i will talk to you guys on wednesday on the paul galan show coming up next you got the jake and stacy show right here on 710 espn